0: Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. The the title of the sermon today is uh, When in Rome, and we're going to start off by I want to take you, uh, invite you to come with me to the land of imagination for a moment, and I want you to just pretend with me that there is a church out there somewhere in the world that is an outpost, okay? Now, here's what I mean by outpost. I mean that it's surrounded by a society that is given over to everything but God, okay? Now, it actually doesn't make the society godless, because in this society, gods are everywhere. Um, Idolatry is everywhere you look. I mean, things like lust and sensuality and immorality, um, materialisms, all of those are like daily specials on the menu, so it's that consistent. And yet, right in the middle of this society, in this dark culture, there are a group of Christians that have come together, and they formed a church. And, and the church was put there, just so you know, the church was put there on purpose. And the purpose for this church is that they will be a light in all of this darkness. All right? So you with me so far in the pretending? Okay, now, fast forward a little bit, and some time has passed and that church is still there, and the the light is still lit, okay? So, like, if it's a candle, the the flame is still going, but the, the brightness has gotten a bit dimmer over time. The church is still functional, it's operational, but it's losing, the church is losing steam, the church is losing focus, and, um, the energy and excitement on the inside of this church, and that their flame has dimmed a little bit, okay? So the church is still functional, it's operational, but over time the church has kind of lost some of its focus, it's, it's lost some of its steam. The energy and the excitement that they had in the early days, it's, it's just not quite there in the same way. And so because of that, the difference and the impact that they're making on society is not quite what it used to be. So so here's what this church is like, okay? They're kind of like little children in the 50s at the dinner table. They're still seen, but but they're not quite heard the way they used to be. And some of the internal problems on the church are what you would expect to find. Um, Like like the problem of unity, you know? Um, They've just... Kind of drifted from each other over personal differences and you know the preferences that we get that kind of get too big. Um, theology has become a problem for this church. Some of the, the biblical truths that are supposed to define us and shape us, they've just kind of lost sight of that. Um, and, and because of that, they're drifting now from Christ's mission, um, Christ's vision. They're, they're kind of losing their passion for God. Um, they're losing their compassion for other people. And do, do you all know this can happen in a church? Man, you're hot out of the gate, but time kind, kind of takes it away from us. And I want to ask a question now, and the question is, how does such a thing happen to a church? Because we, we, we've probably all been there at some point or at least heard of this happening. How does it happen? Well, here, here's the, the, kind of the strange answer. It's usually not what people say. It's usually not the storyline that, well, it's just terrible leadership. You know, it's just rotten preaching or theology, you know, in, in our teaching. Um, you know, it's not a bad flock of people or a few bad apples out there. Usually the reason a church kind of all the wind goes out of its sails is just the dynamic or the, the principle of too much. That's usually the problem here. Like too many tough and trying situations come along in the life of the church and they just pile up and build up. And I tell you, talk about something that can rob your joy and just take the life out of you, you know, or or, or maybe you're putting out too many fires too much of the time and too many people get frustrated. And, and it all just gets to you as a church and you kind of, lose your way and start drifting away. That's one way this happens to a church. Another way is actually a whole lot worse than that. And I've seen this happen with a friend of mine in ministry where they had too much success too quickly in the church and it kind of went to everybody's head and they just drifted away. But either way, for the church I'm talking about, this is a crying shame that this happened to them Because they were once known for burning faith. They were just changing their community. And and what makes it even worse is many of these people that I'm talking about had actually walked and talked with Jesus. See, the church I'm describing to you is not KPC. KPC. Um, it's not any church you left. It's not any church you've, you've ever heard about before. Shame on y'all for thinking that. No, I'm kidding. But it, it really isn't. This, this is the church that was on planet Earth 2,000 years ago. But the great news about this church is that when their spiritual leader heard of what was going on and just the life that was draining from this church, y'all, he stepped up to the challenge. He did not leave them to wither and die. When he heard about it, he rushed in, and he called them back to a living faith and being living witnesses for Jesus Christ. And the way he did this was he revealed the one thing, and believe it or not, there was only one thing, the one thing that made every one of these dominoes fall in the first place. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, it is hard not to hear about this situation in in this church in Scripture and not think about ourselves because, Lord, we are people. We are prone to wander. Father, we, we, we see the same dynamic I described all over the place. Father, we have felt it here more than once. But, God, I thank you that, that you are not the God of abandonment. Lord, you never abandon your children. You say, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And so, Father, we, we thank you that you don't come like, like uh, our friend here came with, with a couple of quick answers. God, you come with solutions. And I thank you today that there is one solution for the church of Jesus Christ. And Lord, today, with all of our hearts, God, we want to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if the description I just gave you, and the title of the sermon did not give it away, um, I was talking about the church in Rome, okay? This, folks, is the book of Romans, and it's a book that we're going to spend a little bit of time in for the next little while. Um, just so you know about the book of Romans Um, in your Bibles, Uh, Romans was actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a struggling, and I mean a struggling church in Rome. And, And just so you know, in case you don't know who Paul is, Paul is one of these guys. He lived the gospel. He breathed the gospel. Paul bled the gospel okay? And there's a historical account, it's quite true, of one day Paul was shaving, and he cut himself, he bled the Old Testament all over his clothes, okay? I mean, this guy was legit, all right? I mean, he is all about the gospel, and this is, yes, the very same Paul, who early on in his life, he was a fanatical Jew, he was a radical Jew, he, he, he had learned so much about the Old Testament. So here's a man who is filled with the Old Testament, okay? And he's got just this zeal for God. But Paul had a problem early on, and the problem is somehow he missed the fact that everything in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus Christ as the Messiah, he just missed it, as so many Pharisees did in that day. And you think, how, how could you not put that together? Well, he didn't. And so Paul, ironically and tragically, actually ended up for a time in his life going out in the name of God, persecuting the Son of God, and everybody connected to him. Now, he did that until one day the risen, resurrected Jesus Christ showed up on the road to Damascus confronted Paul, and Paul was radically saved. And the Paul that came out of that meeting was now more on fire for Jesus, more on fire for the kingdom of God than he had ever been when when he was trying to work against God and against Christ. Um, So this same Paul is now writing to the Romans, okay? And so he's writing as a burning evangelist, you know, just as this on-fire missionary church planner, and he has come to stoke their fire. He has come to rekindle their pa- their, their passion. He's come to, to, to help them become a group of Christians that they can make it over the long haul of ministry. Because a lot of us know the long haul of ministry is long, and it is a haul. So, so Paul's going to get them there. Um, one other thing about Paul before we dive in is that at the time of the writing of the book of Romans, Paul has, has, a, has a higher aim and a, and a further objective. His ultimate goal is he really wants to get to Spain and he wants to preach Jesus to people who have never heard of Jesus before. But first, he's going to write this letter. To the Romans, he's going to get them ready for, for for him to show up, and then he is going to deal with this church, breathe life back into this church, remind this church of their destiny, which is not to start out strong and then, you know, just kind of fizzle and turn into jello. But Paul really believes with all of his being that the church in Rome, their destiny is to become the center of Christian life and faith for the whole Middle East. Okay, so so you got the feel of Romans? Paul is aiming for an extreme makeover in the lives of these people, which again, it all centers on one thing, one key issue, one problem, one principle. So the whole book of Romans, for those of you who go, man, this is a hard book. Anyone ever done that before? I have, right? Right after Hebrews, man, Rome, and maybe Revelation. Romans feels tough, but actually Romans is all about one thing, And the one thing of Romans is actually the one thing of life. It's the one thing of the church. You get this one thing, and you got it, okay? So Romans is not just for a bunch of people 2,000 years ago who, you know, kind of needed to get realigned. The, The book of Romans and this one thing is for us. So let's see if you can figure out what the one thing is as I read to you Romans 1, 1 through 17 from Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his, holy prophet, uh, his prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship, to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to bring, to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ." I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is, and it probably should be a past tense here, your faith has been reported all over the world. God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to make you strong, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but I have been prevented from doing so until now. "...in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles, because I am obligated to both Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentiles." For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So here is Paul talking to the Roman church, and yes, from the description, it is a church a whole lot like the church in America. And as I look out over the church in America, what I say, I've been saying it for years, great start church, but the American church is getting a bit soft. And in many ways, the American church is a bit off track today. You know, but it, it's also, the Roman church is a church that's very diverse. I mean, look around the room. There's a lot of diversity in the room. You know, the, the church in America were made up of all kinds of people, from all kinds of walks of life and nationalities and everything. Well, the, the church back then was quite diverse. It was made up of Jews and Gentiles. It was a church made up of god fears you ever notice that little phrase that pops up, God fears? What is a God fear in the church? Well, a God fear was somebody, they'd be like someone today who comes into the church and they're interested in God. You know, that they may even have kind of a holy reverence or fear for God, but but they're hungry for salvation. The church back then was littered with these God fears, you know, kind of there but not yet saved. And Paul now wants to reclaim God all of these folks for the cause of Jesus Christ in their world, so he hits them with one thing. One thing that you just heard a dozen times in the first 10 uh, 10 verses here. The one thing Paul hits them with is simply Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. You look back through those 10 verses, Roman church Jesus Christ, he is the only son of God. There's not another one. Roman church, Jesus Christ is the one who saved you. He is the one who lived and died and was resurrected for you. Roman church, Jesus Christ is the one who's given us the Holy Spirit. Jesus called this church to be a holy people. To, to live as a holy people. That was the label he put on them. Jesus Christ, Paul says, called you, church, to be apostles. He even called you together as a church. Jesus gave you spiritual gifts. Why? To make you strong in faith to make you effective in witness. Jesus Christ, Romans, called you to bring sinners into a new relationship with God, to transform their lives on this earth now, and and, and to lead them into a life of obedience and following like you've been called to. And so there is only one thing for the Roman church, says Paul. It is to be about Jesus as the people of God. How many of you know uh, a church can be about a lot of other things besides Jesus You ever seen programming get too big in a church and all this other? A church can actually be very active in worship, active in teaching and doing all kind of stuff and actually not be all that much about Jesus Christ. Well, Paul here is saying no. No. Know who he is. Know what he did. Know what he's doing now. Know what he wants to do through you. But see, the problem here with the Roman church, and this is, this is Paul's charge against them, and you'll see it throughout the book, is the Romans, like many who have come before them, they're just starting to lose sight of their Lord and their Savior. You know, it's like the great sin of the Old Testament. What is the great sin of the Old Testament? Well, there are a bunch of them in there, but the great sin is just simply forgetting God. Here for the Romans, it's forgetting Jesus Christ, the one who is the beginning and the middle and the end of spiritual life. And I love that this is coming from Paul. You know, it's as if Paul is saying, Hey, church, you know what? I've been there uh, the first half of my life. I tried to do ministry without Jesus, it didn't work. I'm not about to let you make the same mistake. I'm not going to watch you drift. And then what's so neat about Paul is he understands that, you know, we all need a hero, right? I mean, you've heard the song, I need a hero. Well, people need a hero. We need a living example. You know, it helps to have someone in flesh and blood who's going before you, who's showing you the way. Paul gives them a hero. And I believe in absolute, absolute modesty and humility. Paul here offers himself as an example to follow in verse 16. I love what he says. As for me, church, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, and of course, gospel. Gospel just means good news of Jesus Christ. And so he's saying, look, guys, now at this point in my life, I never forget That life and ministry are always and only that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to save sinners. And for Paul, that's just his single focus. You know, if Paul is a drummer, um, Paul Paul Assis did a better job than Paul the Apostle because Paul the Apostle just hits one drum all the time. This is his one drum, you know. If Paul has one message, this is his only message, right? First Corinthians two two. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And so, so what this is really like, you know, some of y'all remember back in the nineties. Um, There's a little group called DC Talk. Anybody remember DC Talk? yeah they had this song called jesus freak you know what will people think if they know that i'm a jesus freak that's what paul is saying church this is what it's all about you know we're a peculiar bunch of people this is all about one i i invite you to be jesus freaks obsessed wholehearted you know order your life around jesus christ and certainly as a church don't be about anything else but jesus And we might say, okay, well, that's all good, but Paul, why? Can you give us a reason? Well, he does. In verse 17, he says this, For in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. In other words, there is a rightness that we all long for as a church, right? You ever been in a church where it just ain't right, you know? I mean, that you long for rightness. Well, that rightness only comes from Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about right worship, right love in the body, you know, right relationship with one another, a right, right living as the people of God, the, the right mission and the right faith. If we were reading from John today instead of Paul, he, would, he wouldn't use the word right. Uh, uh, John would use a different word. He would use the word ripe. And he would say, look, if you want to have ripe spiritual fruit or even be ripe spiritual fruit for the kingdom of God, well, what would John's answer be to that? All of you who are in Chris's discipleship. My wife who's reading Andrew Murray's book, Abi- abide in the vine." Oh, just, just plant yourself in Jesus. Joe Palusak said this last week and it just blew me away. Heard it before, but I'd forgotten it. And he said, you know, the funny thing about spiritual fruit is you, you never see a vine going, oh, you know, trying to make the fruit pop out. The fruit comes because naturally because the, vine, it, 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 uh, the branch is connected to the vine. It's an overflow. And that's what Paul wants the Roman church to get. See, both of them are making the same point. It's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And some of you are going, you know what? Dude, you could have preached this sermon in about two minutes by just saying Jesus about a hundred times. But it's absolutely true. You know, Jesus at the center of it all, which would make a great worship song someday. We need to think about that one. But, but so, so this is Paul's thing is he saying, church, get back there. Because if you get there and you stay there, you will be a force. You will change the world. You will change the destiny of all these lost people out there. You will represent the kingdom. You will usher in the kingdom. Everybody will go, man, here they are, the sons and daughters of God that we've been waiting for. You just will. That's what happens. And that's what Romans is all about. That's what we need to be all about as a church is just don't get far from Jesus. You know, sometimes I think we feel like we need to graduate. Well, you know, I got baptized, I got saved. Now I'm going to move into other things, not if those other things involve getting away from Jesus. You you just don't ever want to graduate from that place. And so that's what Romans is all about. Everything else in Romans is merely just dealing with issues and problems that get in the way or that cause us to drift from Christ. And so I'll tell you what's coming. As Paul gets into this, he talks about sin, which is a real problem for all of us that's not me talking to you. My wife can tell you, oh, that's also you, sweetheart. Yeah, I mean, sin gets in the way for all of us. Um, Paul will deal with ignorance a lot. You know, what is ignorance? It's not what I grew up with when someone goes, you are so ignorant. It's not that. It's just an absence of knowledge. You know, Paul fills in what they, what they need to know here. Uh, he'll also deal with pettiness. You know, pettiness does happen sometimes in the church. You know, pettiness are all those little foxes that spoil the vine of our love, with each other and our love up there Paul deals with pettiness he also deals with a biggie in American culture right now which is prejudice there is a lot of prejudice in the Roman church you know Jews kind of over here you know hey Moses you know uh, you know I mean they're over here doing this and the Gentiles are like man come on you go. I mean lots of prejudice here and, and Paul will tackle that and and his principles are beautiful also weak theology this is a group of people that they can't tell you what justification, sanctification, you know, all that stuff means. Hey, you want me to test you on that right now? No, no, I won't do that. But, you know, we lose sight of some of this stuff that, that, that it changes our lives. What Paul wants to bring these guys back to is he wants to make them like Martin Luther. Do you all remember Martin Luther? He was a great guy. I mean, I I, I love Martin Luther. You know, he's real fun to hang out with. But Martin Luther lived in the 1500s, and Martin Luther was a whole lot like Paul, and he's a whole lot lot like churches that kind of kind of drift away. Martin Luther was a really religious man in the early part of his life, very plugged into the church, and then in 1519 he was converted. Imagine that, a religious person who needs to be converted, but Paul gets converted. You know what converted Paul? Romans 1, 17, which we just read. Martin Luther's reading the word of God one day, and suddenly it hits him in this saving moment. Wait a minute. All of this, this whole church thing, this whole Christian life, it all boils down, uh, it comes to the fact that true righteousness is simply about living in faith alone in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? I mean, here's a guy, he's been to seminary, you know? He's probably memorized all these theological tomes that uh, give me a headache, and he hasn't gotten that, but he wakes up, it's all about Jesus. And that's why, as we get into this book in the, in the weeks to come, you're gonna find out Romans is incredibly practical for everyday life. You know, you, you read Romans, and you know what happens to you? When you read it, you suddenly wake up to the mission And the vision of Jesus Christ. You you get into this book and suddenly you realign to a daily life of worship and wonder in the Son of God. So what we're going to do for the next little while, and I have learned my lesson, I am not putting an end date on a series that I preach, okay? I've been there, done that, failed every time I've done it. But we are going to camp out in Romans for the next little bit. And the reason we are going to camp out here is because, number one, when we go back to the beginning of this sermon, when you look at society, the description of society that I gave y'all at the beginning, uh, not a whole lot has changed, has it? You know, we say, oh, we're just so advanced as a society. I could have been describing America, Virginia Beach, anywhere in our world today. Not a lot has changed. From the description I gave you of the church back then, the church's mission, you know, what they were planted there to do nothing has changed, has it? And then when it comes to the kingdom of God and what God wants to accomplish, absolutely nothing has changed. The Lord is still the same, right? The mission is still the same. Nothing has changed. And then for you and I, nothing has changed at all. I mean, even when I look at verse 1, this tickled me this morning, I saw this. We we are just like Paul, even. You know, in verse 1, Paul says, I have been set apart for the gospel. It's exactly what you and I have been set apart for, proclaiming Jesus Christ through our lives, through our worship, and anything else, anything apart from that is just a failed launch. It's just a waste of time. So I want to invite you to join me for the book of Romans, and now I'm going to preach the second... No, I'm not going to do it to you. We're we're done. Um, But I do want to pray for us, and I'm just going to... Um, just ask you let me just ask you to stand and receive this and if you need prayer at the end come up front elders will meet you Um, we've got prayer team people altar ministers up here but just let's just stand and receive this in jesus name father god right now we stand as the people of god and father we recognize as we stand that we stand today up underneath the word of god Father, just as we did in worship, we stand and we lift up the name of Jesus Christ over our pastors, Lord God, over our session, over our deacons, Lord, over every volunteer, every every child, every adult. We lift Jesus up. And Father, we just say, like the Romans, as we get into this book, Lord, everything that needs alignment. Anything that needs a tweak and a change, Lord, I, honestly, even as I, I got into this, I was a bit fearful because I said, God, I don't know if I'm in a place to preach the book of Romans. Father, I give you my heart and my mind. And I say, Father, cause us, I just pray that we, we would be like the planets in our galaxy, revolving and orbiting around Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Holy Spirit, I invite you to just invade our mornings and our nights I invite you to to, to just come and fill the places that we work. Just come and and make everywhere we go a, a, a worship environment for the Son of God. Lord, we want to represent you. We want to love you. Father, everything that is in the way, clear the path, God. Like John the Baptist came and said, prepare the way for the Lord. Father God, do that in us, in Jesus' name. We love you. We adore you. We thank you, God, that you have kept it simple. Nothing has changed thank you for clarity and ease and also power and anointing to walk in this, to follow after Jesus Christ, the son of the living God in Jesus name. Amen. Love you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the KPC podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.